Now, if Victor gets its way, Aucklanders are going to be paying more for their power bills. Victor's asking the Commerce Commission for permission to spend more to make its network more resilient, and it needs the ComCom to sign off on that. Simon McKenzie is Victor's CEO. Hi, Simon. Hi, Heather. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How much are you wanting to spend? Oh, well, you know, the issue is with regards to expenditure, our uh, objective is from an ownership perspective is to basically make sure the transition to greater resilience and decarbonisation is least cost to customers. So, you know, it's a bit complicated, but the issue is at the moment we're spending around about $400 million a year on capital across the uh, investing into the networks. That's going to have to increase, and it's going to have to increase because not only are we seeing significant growth in Auckland, and for example, we're seeing large-scale data centres, but also just the residential growth. So inevitably, when that capital comes into the network, uh, prices do have to go up. But obviously, with customer growth, that's also spread across. So the process is really with the Commerce Commission that um, we go through a five-year reset where our capital forward forecasts are reviewed by the Commerce Commission. Um, They set what our allowable return is. Uh, and then off the back of that, that gives rise to prices. As it currently stands, um, the prices that we're seeing at the moment, are, for example, have gone up around 5% this year, but that's off the back of uh, the, the regulatory process, as I've seen. If we look at it in terms of what we're seeing going forward, our focus, as I mentioned, is if we have to meet the challenges of, for example, electrification of transport, um, a, a lot of the growth in Auckland, our real call to the Commerce Commission is there's a lot of enablers there that we believe can make that transition a lot cheaper. So, for example, if there's a lot of electric vehicles being connected to the network, if we don't have the ability to talk to those and schedule when they are charged overnight, then we'll end up with significant peaks, which means inefficient investment. And that's a much cheaper cost to have a digital platform to talk to those than having everyone just plug in at the same time. So there's multiple examples of how we focus on building that resilience, building that pathway to lower cost. Okay, so if you get the permission that you are seeking from the Commerce Commission to, to be able to make the, the lines more resilient and get all the technology upgrades and whatnot, how much is that going to pu- push my power bill up by? Well, it basically at the moment... As I said, that's a process with regards to how the Commission set those allowances. I think it's realistically to say that, as it currently stands at the moment, um, as I said, prices got up about 5%. It's really as a function of what is the amount that the Commission agreed to from those capital expenditures. Um, so if you just, as a rule of thumb, as it currently stands at the moment, our return on invested capital for those types of assets about four and a half percent. So for every hundred million, that's a four and a half percent return. So four and a half million. It's it's hard to say exactly what that price increase would be because there's also an offset as with regards to what the customers also say. For example, if they've moved from electricity to to uh, sorry electricity for cars away yeah. from petrol. Um, but, you know, we're part of a total bill, so we've got retailers, transmission, generation. Over the electricity distribution businesses over about 30 years, uh, there's about $22 billion expected to be spent. How that actually plays out from a timing perspective is actually just too difficult to um, 
to, to give you Simon, any certainty on at this point do, in time. Do your plans include also sort of retrospectively creating more resilience? So, so some of the overhead lines, perhaps burying them? Oh, look, I think it's a good, good question, Heather. I mean, you know, it's very much a geographic by geographic issue. Um, for example, we, we're looking very much, we've undergrounded a lot of Auckland. Um, there are parts where, for example, we've got a project at the moment where we're running what's called sub-transmission. So that's almost like a, a motorway equivalent from uh, Wellsford to Walkworth, and that's underground. Um, but then there's other areas where, as you say, more remote areas, where actually undergrounding the network just doesn't make economic sense. There's other ways to build resilience. That's, as, for example, having much wider tree corridors as it stands at the moment. We're only allowed to cut back from the lines half a metre. The problem is we get trees sliding down the hill or falling over from 20, 30 metres away. Would you like permission um, to cut, cut further back? Absolutely, and it's what happens in Australia with the, the context of bushfires. I mean, they've got something like 20 to 30 metre wide corridors around some of their main transmission lines. So those types of things are something that we absolutely would would welcome. But also in some areas, look, we're seeing now the ability, we think, lines businesses to meet that objective of building you know, more resilience, but at a lower cost to customers. We have to look at other solutions such as solar and battery, and that might be cheaper for more remote customers than actually rebuilding a line or even undergrounding it. So it's a multi-kind of faceted case-by-case issue. All right, Simon, thank you very much. We'll have to leave it there. I really appreciate it. Simon McKenzie, Vector CEO.